Our scripture passage for today comes from Matthew 21, verses 23 through 32. We're continuing in that story of Jesus' life. We're looking particularly as we enter into this fall season at the ways that Jesus calls people from just surviving into thriving, into experiencing life and life to the full. We've been following Jesus as Jesus has told several stories. He's going to tell another short story today. This is uh, known as the parable of the two brothers. But why don't we go ahead? We have plenty of time to talk about that. So why don't we turn now to Matthew 21, verses 23 through 32. This is Jesus speaking with the chief priests and the elders. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, then he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I, will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? Continues Jesus. A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, they said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Friends, I invite you to open your hearts and your hands with me as we pray for God's spirit to move in our minds, our souls, and our hearts to move in a feeling of understanding. Please pray with me. God, we ask that your spirit might overwhelm us, that we might know who you are calling us to be and that we might experience that feeling of courage. We pray that you will help us to understand your scriptures, that you will give us wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you will speak through this sermon and that you will speak to each of our hearts, moving us, that we too might be the ones who do the will of our God. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a story in the news several years ago about a famous actress who was the passenger in a car that her husband was driving when they were pulled over and eventually arrested for driving under the influence. The story got traction not first because of the DUI or because of their arrest, but because of her behavior. From the start of their interaction with the police, the actress made 
every effort that she could to try and retain her authority in the situation, even though she was inebriated and out of control. Her first attempt at retaining authority was in response to the officer directing her to stay in the car, to which she confidently declared that she was a U.S. citizen and it was her right to put her feet on American ground. When that didn't deter the officer, she then started to appeal to her fame, asking the officer if he knew her name. When the officer said that he didn't need to know her name, she replied and carried on several times saying, well, you're going to be on the national news. The officer assured her that that would be fine. The actress issued a truly sincere apology the next day, but I've always remembered the incident. Not because of the DUI, not because of the arrest, but because I could understand her impulse to appeal to the thing in her that offered her the most authority, the most credibility to exercise control in a situation that was out of her control. I could understand it because I can recognize the times that I've done that myself. Once when I was trying to negotiate a parking space with parking security at a hospital because I was trying to visit a congregant who was in an emergency situation, we had gone back and forth several times before I heard myself say, please, I'm a Presbyterian minister. I'm not trying to cheat the rules. I was trying to cheat the rules. I, I couldn't even stop myself. I didn't even know I was saying it. In one of the many times where I have been in a group situation and I have heard someone speak disparagingly about working mothers, I have heard myself say, well, I'm a working mother challenging them by the authority it gave me to just keep on talking. There have been times where I have called upon the thing in me that gives me the most authority, the most credibility, so that I could have my way. Be it getting the parking space, be it silencing the conversation. Sometimes I want to seize control of the situation I can't control. Now, I bet that I'm not the only one who has done this from time to time. As people who live in a Western society, we spend a lot of our lives articulating and asserting the authority that we have to act upon, to speak into, or to shape a situation. And in our society, we spend a lot of time asserting our authority as well as questioning the authority of others. I really wish that you and I were sitting across from each other right now because I would love to hear some of the ways that maybe you have appealed to your authority when it best suited you. When you want to be taken seriously, my friends, what aspect of yourself do you feel is the most impressive? When push comes to shove in your life, what authority do you rely upon in order to retain control in a situation that is out of your control. When we step in and we overhear this conversation between Jesus and the chief priests and elders today, this conversation is all about authority. 
The chief priests and the elders, they want to know what gives Jesus the authority to do all of these things that he has been doing because Jesus has been really busy leading up to this moment. Right before this, Jesus had led a parade into Jerusalem where he rode a donkey. Then he flipped over the tables of the money changers in the temple. Then a nearby fig tree didn't have any figs in the season that he wanted it. And so he cursed the tree and they all watched together as that tree withered and died in front of their eyes. So the chief priests and the elders and everyone around him wanted to know what makes him feel like he can do all this stuff. By what authority does Jesus feel like he can act contrary to the law, contrary to the traditions, contrary to nature, and most importantly in their eyes, contrary to their authority as the experts and the religious leaders. Here in our scripture, Jesus is right in the moment where we have all found ourselves many, many times. The moment that the actress was in before the officer, the moment that I was in with the parking security. This is the moment where all he had to do was call upon his own authority in order to wrench control of the situation. All he needed to say was, well, I am the son of God. And everyone would have zipped it. But in this very moment, where we would have rushed to have asserted our rights, in the very moment that he could reveal that he actually does have indisputable authority, he chooses instead to ask them a question. And when they refuse to answer that question, he tells them this story. He says, a man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. To which that son answered saying, I don't want to. But later on, the son thought better of it. He decided to go out. The father gave the same instruction to the second son who responded with a sure, I'd be happy to. But that son never went. Which one did the will of the father, Jesus asks, the one who was obstinate, but then changed his mind and went? Or the one who said the thing that the father wanted to hear, but had no intention of going? The chief priests and the elders, they all agree. The one who changed his ways and did what he was asked to do did, was the one who followed the will of the father. Jesus affirms them and says, yeah, that's right. And then he carries on. The message translates Jesus' continued response to the chief priests and the elders in this indelicate way. Yes, Jesus says, and I tell you that crooks and whores are going to precede you into God's kingdom. John came to show you the right road and you turned up your noses at him, but the crooks... And the whores, they believed him. Even when you saw their changed lives, you didn't care enough to change and believe him. Jesus was asking the chief priests and the elders, which son did right by the father? 
But in doing so, he's really asking the chief priests and the elders to consider which of the two sons they are. Were they being obedient to the authority of God that was sent through John, who sent Jesus, who was also sending them into a field to nurture the kingdom of God? Or were they only saying what God wanted to hear without any intention of following through with the intention of always living by their own authority? It's a question that Jesus is asking these ancient church people, but it's also a question that Jesus is asking of us and of every believer since then. Which child are we? Are we the one who might resist, but eventually thinks better of it and does the right thing? Or are we the one who keeps up appearances, but never really attends to the will of God? Are we living by our own authority, so impressed with ourselves that we somehow believe that God won't mind. In fact, God will probably agree with the way that we choose to live or what we choose to do. Or are we living in deference to the authority of God? Nathaniel Hawthorne once said this, No one man can for any considerable time wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which face is the true one. Friends, so often in our lives, living in this world that we live in, we switch faces from one situation to another in order to reflect the face that we believe is going to allow us to exert the most authority or the most control in any given situation. But Jesus calls us to another way. Jesus calls us to not rely upon our own authority and to not demand evidence of the authority of the people who are around us. Instead, Jesus calls us to defer daily to the authority of God. We cannot keep our faces of control and power in some situations and then in other situations defer to God. We must prioritize the authority of God and God's kingdom in every situation. Or as Hawthorne says, there will be one day where we finally get bewildered as to what face is true. Friends, we want the face that is turned upward to God to be the one that is true, don't we? I do. I invite you to join me this week as we go into the world with our faces turned upward to God in the very moment where we want to switch what authoritative face we are putting on. Please join me this week in seeing what it feels like to defer to the way that God would have us act, to defer to the way that God would have us think, to defer to the way that God would have us speak, rather than to do all that we can to place ourselves into the center of, 
and to wrench control away not only from others, but also from God. May we be the people who defer to the kingdom when it is easy, yes, but especially when it's hard. Amen.